Welcome to Betrayal Trauma SOS. I'm Jenny Brockbank, and I genuinely love healing with you. Today, I'm honored to share insights on surrender from one of my personal recovery heroes, Real Anne Croshaw. Let's heal together. Welcome. We will get to the interview with Real Ann Croshaw, but before we do, for context, I want to let you know a little bit about the SA Lifeline Foundation and the SAL 12-step program that Real and her husband Stephen founded and run. SA Lifeline is a nonprofit organization that provides free information on the subjects of sex addiction and betrayal trauma. Stephen and Real saw the need for 12 steps in the recovery process and as such also started SAL 12 Steps. I personally attend an SAL group and it's been a wonderful key to my own continuing recovery. If you'd like to find an SAL 12 Step meeting to attend, please go to sal12step.org. Maybe I'll see you there, and we can heal together in that format as well. I've heard Real expound on the subject of surrender and knew that I had things to learn from her about it. As I suspected I would, I did learn some great things from her wisdom from this interview. And now I'm excited to share her insights with you. Are you ready to learn with me? Let's do this. Rilan Croshaw is a co-founder of the SA Lifeline Foundation. She is a frequent presenter on the subject of betrayal trauma, and her efforts have helped thousands along their journey for healing. Real is an author of the book, What Can I Do About Me? She and her husband, Stephen, have seven children and 24 grandchildren. Real's daughter, Tara, shared the following with me about her mother. Quote, she is a woman full of grit and faith determined to do what is right regardless of the consequences. It is my feeling that a big part of the mission she was sent here to accomplish was helping others find healing from betrayal trauma. She has become an instrument in the hands of God to do an important work. Greatness was thrust upon her. She never sought this out." Close quote. Real Ann Croshaw, welcome to Betrayal Trauma SOS. Thank you. I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm really excited to learn more about surrender from you, as it seems like as I've heard this topic discussed over and over um, in various recovery circles, um, your perspective has been my favorite thus far. And so I just really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to learning. I'm looking forward to um I know that other people will learn as well. So I just really am humbled by your presence here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Jenny. It's a pleasure. Hopefully I can add something to what someone needs. (laughs) That's all. I am completely certain that's true. I've heard enough from you to feel like that's got to be the case. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I wanted to start out today by asking you, kind of started at the the reward. <laughs> what is the reward? Why would you want to surrender? What do you get from that process? What's the benefit? The reward is peace. Mm-hmm. Period. It's it's um 
It's also a direction and a feeling of confidence. Um, confidence in the right in the right direction. And there's actually power. So I, I say peace, period, but you know, the, then I go on. <laughs> but um, personal power through, and, and with that comes this feeling of, I'm okay. It, the, this is going to be okay. I'm okay. This, I don't know. You know, whatever is taking me out of this, out of my serenity, out of, into anxiety and um, fear, um, surrender actually is the opposite of that, of fear, fear and anxiety. And I think at the, the very end of my book, I talked about the paradigm shift. The para- It's just a different paradigm that surrender is actually the key to peace and serenity and giving my power to the only other power that can help me instead of to someone else who might be, uh, I, I feel like I'm being whipped around by somebody else's choices and their attitudes and their behaviors. No, uh, surrender is, it's like that. Cool. So it's, you're okay no matter what other people do because your peace comes from God, if I'm understanding correctly. that Yes. In a nutshell. The God of my understanding. It may not even be, it may not even be a record. You and I may not even have the same understanding of who or what God is, but the God of my understanding is this power greater than myself that that, you know, I, I talk a lot about 12-step because it truly is probably, yeah, not only probably, it is the foundation of my recovery, uh, along with my own spiritual, my own spiritual background and uh, principles that I believe. 12-step has deepened my understanding of my the connection with the god of my understanding and that has been a true gift and and the gifts of the program are real in my life that's really beautiful i wanted to go into your book a little bit where you talk about um kind of your process of getting to the point where you understood surrender and you started out talking about how you had read about a woman um who was pushing a handcart Um, Many years ago, and her husband, I think, became ill, and she started pushing her husband in the handcart and how you resonated with that and then shifted. Would you maybe expand on that for us a little bit, add more? That's so interesting that you would bring that up because just the other day, I found the the handcart that's, you know, it's about a foot long and it's made out of twigs, and I had purchased that in 1997 wow. and I, I showed, I showed to uh, my children all the things I just showed them, showed them this. And then I talked about how we, we couldn't fix perhaps the problem, but we could, we could pull together. Um, so I presented this hand cart to my children and it was the fall that Stephen came out the second time. And even though they really didn't know the details of my my husband's behavior at that point, they knew that something was seriously wrong. 
And and because it was 97 sesquicentennial, uh, and I was reading of the pioneers, and I was reading pioneer stories, and I was relating to these women of pulling a sick husband. I mean, she's not pushing it. She's pulling it over the rocks and through the snow. And, and, um, and I realized later that that analogy, as wonderful as it sounds, and truly, it was important for me to understand that at that point. This has been a process. I, I remind myself often, how long did it take for us to find real long-term recovery and the tools? Um, well, so far, it's almost 49 years of marriage. And it was 32 years before he actually really came to himself and found the, the tools that he could find to make the changes necessary. And so I, the process is really important. And I can't tell anybody else what your process looks like. I, I can't, I never have said to any woman, you should leave him. And I have never said you should stay with him. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know. This is, this is your journey. I will offer the tools and then see how that, you know, how that works for you or any other woman. So Pulling my hand, um, hand cart with my sick husband, I finally realized later that I just was sick of it. I was so sick of pulling him along and trying to fix it. And at first I thought, that's not a very kind, charitable attitude. But when we understand what we're dealing with, when we understand that we're dealing with an addiction that is cunning, baffling and powerful and that I cannot change absolutely nothing as much as I wanted to pull that hand cart and just sacrifice myself I talked to so many women who are sacrificing themselves because first of all they they have this nurturing nature and second of all their addicted husband is like you gotta help me you gotta help me and and so we're, we are sucked into that. And so he's in the, in the handcart. But I finally got to the point where it's like, you're dragging your legs. You are not helping here. At least if you're sick, just pull him in, please. But, he, you know, in, in that analogy, I didn't feel like he was helping. Yes. And so finally learning how to surrender the things I cannot change. It took me 32 years to figure out absolutely everything I had done, taking him to marriage counseling. We probably saw four of them in the first 13 years of our marriage. It's like something is wrong here. Oh, well, you just need to communicate better. Mm-hmm. Well, I got all the books out and I read them and he promised he'd read one. And I still have that book with the promise written in it at Christmas time. He has never opened that book. (laughs) I could cry. I could beg. I could promise. And nothing was going to change that. So understanding that, then it's the serenity prayer that is the basis for my understanding of what I need to surrender. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Oh, there's one. Courage to change the things I can 
and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, that first part is, you know, surrendering, giving to God the things I cannot change. I finally figured out after more than three decades, I cannot change him. What? I'm able to do so many things. I am a, a capable, strong woman. I can get organized and pull lots of things along. Wow. Addiction, sexual addiction particularly, showed me that I was not able to do that. Actually, that I'm not God. I'm not the person who has all that power. And even God can't do that. He can't change my husband. My husband has choice. He can't change that. So that process of learning to figure out what I cannot change. And most of us, it takes a very long time. For those of you who are young, bless your hearts. You can figure this out earlier than I did. I want to point out that part of why we can do it earlier is because we have better tools now. (laughs) And I want to thank you because I personally attend SA Lifeline, uh, which is the foundation which you and your husband run. And it has been a great blessing to me in my own recovery. So before, you know, when I found out about my husband in 2000, you know, kind of had some glimpses as to what I was dealing with. There were no tools that were helpful at that point that I found, at least. There might have been some that I'm not aware of, but it has come so far. And I do believe that your foundation has been instrumental for so many in recovery, including me. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jenny. We hope so. We started this foundation 12 years ago. And and the reason was, is we didn't find the resources that we needed. and. We saw so many other couples that were struggling and struggling and then getting short times of sobriety and, and, and they were working at it a little bit. And then two or three years later, they're gone. They're divorced. Everything's blown up. And we knew that there had to be some tools somewhere. And when we started this foundation uh, 12 years ago, we had four Stephen had four years sober and I had been attending uh, not only therapy, but 12 step for a couple of years at that point. And he had been going to SA for the entire time. And so he just, we just, we just passed our 16 year mark of his sobriety date, which was August 25th, 2005. Well, congratulations. We celebrate, we celebrate that every year because it's the time it's a reminder of this journey yeah. that has been hard and hard work but so worth it so worth it definitely i find it rewarding in and of myself and you know the circumstances that bring us here are terrible and the benefits and blessings i don't know how i would have gotten them otherwise so in that way i don't wish people to experience these things and I value very much what I gain from it so I love how you just said that all right um surrender it seems like you have a process a three-step <laughs> process or is it four is it three am I thinking right well I've added a couple of things to it okay. and so um but the the main steps are three there are three um but as I've 
as I practice this for the last, I don't know, at least 10 years. Um, and I, I've practiced surrender. Now, I don't, I surrender at, lo- at least usually weekly because there's something that's going to take me out of my serenity, some anxiety over this or a grandchild that is struggling or my husband gets grumpy. Right. Um, Mine too. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't like that and I don't feel safe with that. And so quite often, um, if I'm not feeling safe, the first thing I will do is recognize I need to pause. And that usually is remove myself from the situation as as much as I can um, and then breathe. So those are the two things that I've added to the the other three steps. So pause, breathe. I recognize that probably for about 35 years of my marriage, I did not know how to, I, I, it's not that I didn't know how to breathe. I didn't. And, and I think um, meditation helps in, in breathing and learning to breathe in and exhale and letting go of a lot of this, right? So pause and breathe. But the next three steps have been critical for that first part of that serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There are so many things, and most of those things involve other people. Right. Usually other adults. And so I call it knees, phone, box. Knees, phone, box. knees, (laughs) Knees, phone, box. After I've pause and breathe (laughs) and so knees of course i you can do this any you can do it in your car you can pray and i think an out praying out loud is important to this step um and it's just basically it's just giving this unmanageable thing or person to god Mm. and this is the way I would say it. God, I surrender to you my husband's behavior. I can't control it. I give this to you. I want to have peace. And it's, that's, I don't have to go on forever. This is just it. And then I make a phone call and I call my sponsor. I have two sponsors. I'm so grateful. For both of them, uh-huh. they they help center me, and but in the surrender process, if I'm calling one of my sponsors, she does not need to answer unless I really need to talk to her and I really need to process something. So you'll just leave a voicemail, is what you're saying? And I do. I, okay. Yeah, and it's not a text. We don't text our surrenders. Gotcha. Very seldom. I mean, unless you're in a place where you can't really speak, but. On the phone is because in this process, I need to hear my own voice say, this is what I'm giving to God. Along those lines, then I sometimes do Marco Polo with the surrender. Yes. I would guess that means yes. kind of the same, the same mm-hmm. dynamic, I guess, with hearing yourself speak it. Yes, yes, that works. And, and some ladies do that and, and that's very successful for them. So on the phone and it just it sounds basically like what I said in that that prayer. Hi, 
I'm surrendering to God. I'm not surrendering to her. She's not the power that brings me back peace, but she is just, she just knows uh, she's my accountability partner. She's a witness. Is just aware that she listens. And then I'm surrendering to God that I cannot control my husband's behavior. I know that it's something I have no control over. And then the part that sometimes I, I just rush off and I think I'm good. It's write it down. Now, there's scientific research that actually shows that when you speak it to someone else and when you write it down, it actually changes your brain. Mm. And I have found, of course, I'm not a neurologist, but I, I know that it does. Of course, the scientists probably are not going to say, and you pray it. But this is what I've discovered is when, when I pray it, I speak it to someone else and I write it. I gain peace. Now, it may come back in an hour. It might be so heavy and so uh, there, there might be so much fear to it that it, it'll come back and I'm already I'm back in it and I'm just fretting over it. It's time to do it again. So many women will say, oh, you don't want to hear. Hey, I don't even need to listen to your surrender. This is between you and God. This is a process that I'm not part of. But I am happy to be a witness to your the humble attitude that requires to surrender to God, the things I cannot change. So that's the process. Pause, breathe, knees, phone, box. Write it, speak it to someone else, and pray it. It has been miraculous. I, I, ha- I can't tell you how many women... I've, I've spoken with thousands of women over the last 12 years. And as we talk about this process, it often is um, they're resistant to it. How can something so simple make such a difference? And all I can say is, I don't know. It does. <laughs> Try it. And the first time, the first time a woman does it, it's like, feel that peace. And maybe it's, again, maybe it's only going to last for an hour. But I have told many women, if this comes back 10 times today, blow up my phone with your surrenders. Uh, Because I know it works. Blow up my phone. I, I clear my messages. And I don't answer my phone past 10 o'clock. So I turn it off and anybody, I have ladies who put a call in surrenders at 1 a.m. because they can't sleep. And they discover that when they surrender something that is really bothering them, they do the whole process, then they're able to go back. They go to sleep. And it is amazing. And what a testament that it does work. That it, I think as I'm listening, it seems like um, you're incorporating so many different things into this process, whether and it's um, vocally saying things to say it yourself. Um, it's writing it down, which um, I'm just thinking, too. I recently had an interview with Ashlyn Mitchell, who talks about the power of journaling and writing things down. Mm-hmm. And it was it's not my forte. So I really want to do better at it. So as you're talking, 
I'm thinking you're using your mind, you're using your voice, using your ears to hear yourself, using your hand. And it seems like, um, as I also would try to use my heart when I do this well, that it is like a whole soul approach to giving it over to God, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, very much. It makes it makes total sense. And the one thing about writing it down, I I don't. I started being really good about journaling before my husband's first disclosure. Mm-hmm. It was his disclosure just took me out. And I haven't done really well since. But writing this down, it literally can be on a scrap of paper. I have and I have done this at the gas station in Las Vegas going through, if you can imagine, you know, I'm gonna I have can. To, uh, with Las Vegas, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Where I I literally got a paper towel and wrote on the paper to a little piece on the paper towel and said, I surrendered to God my husband's behaviors and attitudes. Mm. I give it to you. And then I twisted it up and I put it in the garbage. That is mm. because for me, to journal, I feel like I need to spend an hour. And that is wonderful when I can and I will. <laughs> but but writing this down on a little scrap of paper um, as part of the process is really has been really important to me because I know I can do it like that. Gotcha. It's not going to take me. Yeah, it's going to take the whole process is going to take me three minutes. Even the size of the paper takes away some of the overwhelm, it sounds like. Pretty cool concept. Oh, yeah. Just just tear off a little piece. <laughs> okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And um, one, one more question for you about the, because you talk about surrendering it. And I know you, this one, um, you talked about uh, writing that down and twisting it up and throwing it in the trash. But you also talk about box, right? You put it into a box. And I've done Life Star where we did a we did create our own surrender box. And that was a powerful experience. And I just wanted you to talk about maybe what is a box or is it a jar? You know, what what do people do to make that like you put it in there? What's the process of that? I've had about three or four boxes or jars. Uh, my daughter, Tara, that you spoke of earlier, mm-hmm. gave me uh, a beautiful pottery, small um, jar with a lid on it. And it's right by my bed. In fact, I said, uh, probably Saturday night, we were preparing for a presentation and my husband was anxious and was like, do you need to use my surrender jar? Mm. No, I have my own. It's like, right, where? <laughs> he showed me a box. He's like, oh, okay. He's got his own surrender box. So. It is whatever you decide signifies you're giving this to God, the God mm-hmm. of your understanding, to the a higher power, to a power greater than myself. It is what, and it, but it, again, as I talked about my experience in the gas station, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to have my box with me. Yeah. Uh, it is something that says, there it goes. It's not mine anymore. And so if I don't have my beautiful surrender jar my daughter gave me, that's okay. There are going to be times I need to surrender in all sorts of places and just grab a little piece of paper, a paper towel, 
and write on it. And there it goes. That's really cool to think about. And I'm thinking too, then the box or container or, or beautiful pottery, it really is just signifying, I'm giving this to God. This isn't mine. This is, this is a box that I'm not in charge of, basically. So I yeah. love it. Really and powerful. my jar is really full. I need to uh, go out and burn it and start over again. Because frankly, as I mentioned, I can, I probably, usually there'll be at least a couple of times during a week that I think oh, I'm just, I'm anxious or I'm fearful or I'm, I, I've gotten obsessed over something like, oh no, what's going on in the world? Oh no. And those are things to surrender. Is there something I can do about that? If so, do it. If not, give it, give it over to that power because, and I can pray for that situation and I will, but it is not something that I can actually change. Um, learning to understand the difference between what things I can change and what I can't. But I will say, I have discovered that surrender without boundaries is is quite often women get stuck there. And so in that surrender prayer, I've added a do a, a question to God. Do I need a boundary here? Mm. And what help me know if, if I need a boundary and what it is. But I usually have my boundaries pretty well set uh, or what I'm supposed to do if I don't feel safe. So surrender is not throwing up the white flag and just saying there's nothing I can do. It actually is a powerful. I read something in the language of uh, the language of letting go by Melody Beattie. Mm -hmm. um, and she says, learning to own our power will come if we are open to it. That is under surrender. Hmm. Learning to own our power. And I think women, especially who have dealt with betrayal trauma, need to learn again. We probably learned it earlier on. I don't think there's one woman that I've ever met in recovery who wasn't a very capable, uh, exceptional woman until she got battered down by betrayal trauma. And to learn, learning to own our power or bring, bring back the power. And that power comes with God at my center. That's why the purpose of surrender is to remove somebody else out of my center. Yeah. And if you've looked at the circles models, often it becomes our addictive spouse in our center. And so the purpose of surrender is to put God back in my uh, circle in my center. And then I have the courage and power. Gotcha. And I will, just for any listeners, I will link the circles model um, in my notes so that you can go and see what real is referring to there. It really is a powerful model. Thank you. I appreciate your insights so much. And as you, you as you talked about boundaries and in, re, in reference to surrender, I got a little thrill. I have to tell you, <laughs> because I do think that sometimes um, with surrender, um, we can think there is no power. But as you're talking about, 
But sometimes we do have some power and that would be with a boundary. And so it's just a powerful add-on that you put. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And the power is not to control another person. That power is our own strengths to uh, keep ourselves safe. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole other discussion on boundaries, what boundaries are and why, uh, why healthy boundaries are critical and how to make and keep healthy boundaries. Uh, But those, I, those two I've discovered have to go hand in hand that surrender process, which is God at my center. And then I am prepared to, to set and hold healthy boundaries for my safety. That's critical. So those, they have to go together in my experience. That's beautiful. Well, I have learned a great deal. And before closing, I was wondering if you might tell us a little bit about your program, the SA Lifeline program. And I would love to learn more about your upcoming conference, um, which I am so excited to attend. And I'm hopeful that many of my listeners will come as well. I do know it's reasonably priced and the lineup of speakers is just such high caliber. Take it away. Yes. Well, um, I mentioned we started SA Lifeline 12 years ago, and the purpose was to give education and some resources to those uh, just across the world to give them hope that there is recovery, that recovery is possible, not only from sexual addiction, but from betrayal trauma. And we are unique in that, that we see both of these as critical recoveries. And our motto is recovering individuals, healing families. Mm -hmm. And that family part is really important to us. We have a, a large family and, but families in general, we believe are critical to our, our society. So, but then about seven years ago, we saw that the need to start what we call SAL 12 step. So the SA Lifeline part is a, an educational nonprofit foundation to give information and resources to the world. Um, we saw then that there is a critical piece of recovery and and we don't offer all of it. We have education, quality education, qualified therapy is an important part of the recovery. We call it recovery puzzle. Um, Spiritual connections supported by SAL 12 step and boundaries and bottom lines. All of that together make up a foundation for long-term recovery. So uh, about seven years ago, we saw the need to start SAL 12 step and we have meetings uh, for men in addiction and a, a woman's meeting for, for addiction. And we have meetings for uh, women in betrayal trauma. They are gender specific. There are no men and women meeting together um, because of the safety need in this particular addiction. and. Um, and we ha- now have 61 meetings a week uh, of individuals wow. attending meetings all, from all over the all over the world. Um, and so we we know the need is there, um, and we we work with a lot of people individually. Uh, but that's what we do, and so the the 
conference coming up, uh, we are having as our our keynote speakers, Reverend Francis Davis. We heard him years ago. I have never met him, but when I heard him, uh, he's retired from the Baptist, I believe it's Baptist Calvary Church in Salt Lake. He was so engaging and so motivating. I, I thought we need to find him and have him come. Uh, and he's going to talk about the spiritual nature of recovery. And then Stephanie Carnes, Dr. Stephanie Carnes, yes. who is uh, well known in the field of recovery and very expert in the book she's written and so much of what she's given in this in this field. Um, she is coming to speak about betrayal trauma recovery. And then Jay Stringer is coming and he is well known for his book. Uh, Unwanted. Yeah. Unwanted. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so he's talking about the trauma from that is that causes some of the addiction and how uh, addiction recovery. So we're so excited about this conference. It just feels so um, exciting to me. And there, this is a diverse lineup. And then we'll have breakouts with um, another therapist, Amanda Christensen, another couple who are going to talk about couple recovery. And then Stephanie Carnes and my daughter and I are going to talk about working with children and families. Wow. Um, this is part of, and Jay Stringer will talk more about addiction recovery. So this is a conference on September 18th. Um, you can go find a registration on our website for either SAL 12 step or salifeline.org. And we look forward to having, uh, a lot of people, we, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the number who are registering who have never attended SAL meetings before. Oh, great. And we're giving CE credits to therapists. So we've got a number of therapists who are registered also. Wow. Well, with your lineup, you know, and the caliber of what you've got, it doesn't surprise me that people want to come and I hope that it sheds light on your amazing foundation which has like I said been beneficial in my life and that of so many real Ann Croshaw I am so grateful to have had you today thank you it's humbling to have been able to learn and I know many people will gain a great deal as I have so thank you so much thank you Jenny my pleasure to be with you and to, and to hear your input thank you do you remember me saying that Real is a personal recovery hero of mine? Well, that helped seal the deal for me. I've got some more amazing interviews coming up. I'm not sure which one will be posted next, so please make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss it. And if you love the content, would you maybe consider leaving five stars in a review? Betrayal Trauma SOS is found on Facebook. I'm most active on Instagram at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com and can be heard on all major podcast platforms. Thank you for being here. I love healing with you.